let me get this Facebook going. Hey, I want some free hot doggies right there. <laughs> Man, it's Halloween, John. Are you wearing that all day? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about all that, but at least for the show. Yeah. <laughs> at least for the show. All right, let's see. Dang, seven birthdays. Hello, college football fans, and welcome to another edition of College Football Pick'em with Wes and John. I'm Wes in the hot dog costume today. John's down there at the bottom, and today we have a very, very special guest, Mr. Blake Butler. Um, Tiger football fans will probably remember the name. Uh, his father is Keith Butler, uh, former defensive coordinator at Memphis, if I'm not mistaken, and also... Uh, a the current defensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Blake Butler, thank you very much for being on the show today, sir. Oh, no problem, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate just uh, y'all's enthusiasm for uh, college football and the Memphis Tigers in particular. And uh, I said that's what made it, made it special playing at Memphis is, uh, you know, the fans. And there, there just seems to be a genuine connection with, uh, you know, players, program, fans, and just uh, the support there is uh, just unique. I think to what, to what a lot of programs get, and uh, like I said, I'm excited to get on with you uh, with y'all today and just uh, talk a little football. All right. Well, when we get to, we, you know, of course, this season with with COVID nineteen just running rampant throughout the entire country, um, it's really put a big strain on college football. Um, I was actually listening to uh, ESPN UXM radio this week. And uh, Rick Neuheisel has a show on there during the week. And he made a comment that was very, very surprising. There is over 1,000 players in the transfer portal with nowhere to go. I mean, that's just insane to me that this many players are just stockpiling up in the transfer portal. I mean, would you say that that's essentially like a free agency for college football? It's uh, it's a unique situation just, you know, with the transfer portal coming about here in recent years. And um, you're seeing with COVID, uh, what a lot of people don't realize is the NCA, honestly, in my opinion, hasn't handled it very well because they're in the process of, you know, allowing guys to have another year of eligibility, but they're not adjusting scholarship numbers um, in terms of what you're allowed to keep. So what you're running into is, you're signing guys in an upcoming recruiting class. You have nowhere to put them. And now you're seeing a lot of, especially the class of 2021, uh, high school athletes uh, are losing offers. Uh, I've talked with high school coaches across the state um, and just seen it with uh, kids I know that uh, in multiple sports, you know, not just football, that are losing opportunities to play in college just the way the NCAA's handled this. And so now you've got kids that are entering the transfer portal thinking, oh, I can go find a better situation. Well, no one has space to take any of these kids anymore. Um, so while in years past they may have been able to find a landing spot, um, now it's even tighter in terms of your scholarship numbers and be able to bring kids in. And it's really created a situation where now these kids are kind of stuck in no man's land and they may have inadvertently ended their football careers. 
It's it's crazy to me. And John and I, you know, I know John and I have talked about it numerous times. Um, Blake, who would you say is so far in the season? I know we're only uh, what about roughly six games into the season, depending on who's played the all their games and not. Who would you say is your most surprising team so far this year? And who would you say is your most disappointing team? Well, just, you know, looking at the landscape, I think, you know, the first week things started to kick off. One, everyone's excited. College football's back, obviously. Um, and then you start seeing games. You, you have LSU coming off of a national championship. And then all of a sudden, you know, Mike Leach and the SEC, they, Mississippi State beats them. And everyone's jumping, oh, Mississippi State, Mike Leach. And then as the weeks go on, you start to figure out which of these teams won. The preparation was different with COVID, the, you know, trying to get a feel for, you know, who can do what. Um, you know, I, I think looking at it, um, you know, I, I think Georgia's played well uh, early on. Um, you know, I, I, I'd say that they got a chance to uh, do some things out of the East. Um, you know, when you look at um, just the global, you know, Clemson's always going to be there, which is interesting today, you know, playing without Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, um, as far as disappointing, obviously I think people would label LSU as a disappointment at this time. Um, but you also, when you think about how many uh, players they lost, you know, you lose that much NFL talent. Uh, that's not necessarily a reload situation at this point. You know, people obviously think, you know, with Alabama, you know, they've had similar situations where they've lost a ton of guys and been able to be competitive the next year. Um, LSU, I, I guess, hasn't really stockpiled the talent quite like that yet. Um, you look, you know, they won the national title with a transfer quarterback. Um, and it, it's uh, something that, uh, you know, I think a lot of fans, you know, especially LSU fans are probably disappointed in them. Uh, but at the same time, when you look at what they lost, uh, it, it's going to take a little time to get back uh, to that. And, they, and that was a special team, you know, in terms of the talent and, and things like that. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you know, just talk about our Tigers. Um, you know, I, I'm proud of the job Brian Silverfield's doing. You look at the circumstances, you know, the, the loss to SMU is really, I mean, when you hadn't played in almost a month and, you look at maybe I, thought, I heard it was something like eight practices in a month, and then you have to go play a game just with everyone being quarantined and the COVID restrictions and how much you're able to practice. And, um, you, you know, I, when you look at the difficulty of the games they've played so far, it, it's pretty, uh, um, you know, encouraging to see the level they're competing at, especially when you factor in uh, losing, uh, you know, a preseason All-American running back, uh, probably arguably the top receiver in the, in the conference, um, you know, things like that. And just seeing other guys step up. I mean, that, you know, football is the ultimate team sport. Um, so at this point, you know, I'm, I, I would say, uh, you know, LSU is pretty, you know, pretty disappointing on, on the face of it. Uh, but I encourage your fans to be, to be patient. Most definitely. Most definitely. John, do you want to go ahead and jump into today's games? Real, real quick, Blake, before we talk about college football a little bit, I know a lot of fans don't notice now about you, but you are coaching high school now at Trinity uh, Christian in Jackson, Tennessee. You know, you're in their league with uh, – it's a challenging league just a couple last couple of years for you because you're traveling to Nashville. How do you, as a high school coach, tell your kids that you're going on a 
with the enrollment numbers as they are, with the enrollment numbers, um, talk, just talk about your last 10 years in, you know, in the TSAA as a head coach in general at Trinity Christian. What did, year did you start? 2010, right? Uh, took over in 2011. Uh, oh, yeah. Was down at, uh, I guess, ECS prior to that uh, as an assistant. You know, came in under, uh, you know, Coach Hines, who uh, passed away this past year, was an incredible coach, um, multiple state titles in football and baseball. And, uh, you know, really felt like I learned a lot from him. And then uh, now I've been at Trinity for 10 years now. Uh, I've had some, uh, you know, incredible experiences up here. Um, like I said, you know, we're class A team, uh, small school football, and, you know, with enrollment and things like that, you know, your, your talent levels fluctuate, uh, your class sizes fluctuate. Um, but it, it's fun to kind of be able to figure things out uh, based on what you have. We, you know, my first four years, we ended up uh, having a quarterback, Kyle Aiken, who was uh, finished as the state's all-time leading passer. Um, and uh, being able to do things like that. And then you flip around the next year, we actually transitioned to a quarterback who uh, set the state record for uh, most rushing yards by a quarterback in a season. And that's kind of a unique challenge, you know, especially with high school football and particularly with uh, small high school football is uh, sometimes you have to get a little creative. You can't be married to a system, so to speak, you know, uh, it's not like, you know, oh, I lose this quarterback. I need to go find the next one. It's, you know, who's the middle school kid coming up that uh, is going to be able to, you know, fill in and what can he do? And, uh, you know, so many times that's kind of the unique challenge of high school football is, you know, you think about the systems coaches run in college and NFL and, uh, you know, the offenses they're known for uh, and they can play their same style for the most part with their uh, teams and uh, we have to be able to adjust and uh, run some different things. And, um, you know, that, that's kind of the fun in it. Uh, you know, I can say we've had one of the top passing offenses. We've had one of the top rushing offenses. And it's just something that, uh, like I said, we've had to be able to adjust and, you know, get our kids to buy in. And uh, like I said, figure out a way to go win games with, uh, you know, who's walking the hallways. Did uh, Kyle? I forgot. Did Kyle Aiken end up playing college football somewhere? He did. He went, to, uh, went to UT Martin uh, and actually finished up at uh, Concord University in West Virginia, Division II school. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he ended up playing there. And uh, the kid who came after him, uh, Andrew Goldsmith, that uh, was the you know rushing right. quarterback. He ended up going to Tennessee Tech and playing running back up there, and just finished up uh, last year uh, playing at Tennessee Tech. So. Uh, you know, been fortunate, you know, being in a small school, have ha, had a few guys be able to go on and play in college and find some success there. And uh, like I say, it's it's fun because you get to see those kids that are, you know, sometimes college athletes, but you also see the kids that just go out there and love to play on a Friday night that, um, you know, that, that that's the pinnacle of their football career. And um, it, it's fun, you know, coaching both sets just because you get to see the, the passion, the excitement and the work ethic that those kids that are playing, you know, uh, right now, as we enter playoffs, um, you know, our seniors are fighting to keep extending their football careers by one more game. And, uh, you know, we start playoffs this coming week. And like I said our seniors know that they're guaranteed one more game in their football careers. And if they want another, they have to win. And uh, it's, it's a special time uh, for high school kids just because, 
you get to see some great efforts and kids just, you know, lay it on the line uh, every week, trying to get that one more game so they can play just one more football game in their life. Are you kind of surprised that, you know, you're from the Memphis, I mean, you know the Memphis area, like high, high school football, like had to do a little bit anyway. Are you kind of surprised that the Shelby County schools still did not find a way to play their kids in general with a waiver? I it, am still. It's very telling, I think, on the leadership. Um, when you look at every school system across the state played football in some form or fashion this year. Um, and you can't just say it's, oh, because we're a, uh, you know, a more densely populated school system. You have Nashville schools, Knoxville schools, Chattanooga, even in Jackson, um, you know, we've got some densely populated schools uh, in our public school system. And, you know, all, all those school systems found a way to get their kids on the field. You know, there were some delays and things like that with, Nashville, and I know here in Jackson, our, our uh, public schools had to miss um, their first couple of weeks. But right. bottom line is, is those school systems figured out a way for their kids to not have to miss out on this. And, the you know, they want to talk about, you know, the safety issues with COVID and things like that. Uh, but what gets missed out is the opportunities that these kids will never get again in their life. Um, and it, it's – it's a shame, you know, we know we want school to be about education and getting an education and things like that, which is even more difficult doing it virtually. But also for some of these kids that, you know, their athletics is their motivating factor to get that education. And when you take that away from them, uh, and for some of these kids, that's what they have going in their life. That's where they find their positive influences. Uh, I know even working at a private Christian school, um, you know, all our kids don't come from perfect families. Um, and football, a lot of times, you know, you feel like a counselor more than a football coach at times. And I know a lot of those coaches in the, in the city of Memphis uh, that do wonderful jobs, have relationships with them and just see what they do for their kids. And you, when you remove that aspect uh, from that kid's life, uh, you're removing – you know, an opportunity to really change a life and change an outcome in a life in a lot of situations. And, you know, it's discouraging that not only did they not find a way to play football, it's not just about the football game, but just the opportunities that were taken away from these kids that, you know, a lot of them were talking about, you know, right down the road, Ridgeway looks at MUS, they're playing football games, you know, um, and, you know, how can we get in a situation where it, we have one school system, you know, that goes against everything else that the state is doing. And like I said it's disappointing that, that that's where the leadership fell on it. Yeah, especially right now when basketball's right around the corner too. <laughs> yeah, and it's, like I said, I think you're probably seeing a lot of parents that have the means and ability trying to find ways to get their kids to move school systems. Um, and so, you know, and, and a school honestly is only as strong as the support it has. And when you look at those families that are trying to find ways to get their kids, uh, whether it's the school that's going to be in person learning uh, or give their kids the opportunity to play sports in their last year of high school, uh, those are typically probably going to be your parents that are more involved and more supportive of your school systems. And now you're going to lose those parents and 
those families and it's going to just further hurt the school system. I, I think at the end, when we look back at this, this is going to be a, a even more of a crippling blow to Shelby County schools um, than, than what they realized uh, at this time, because um, it, it's put a lot of families in difficult situations and a lot of kids uh, it's kind of taken away a lot of their hope. Uh, and I know a lot of those coaches down there are trying to find creative ways to still help their kids, still be involved in their kids' lives and show them there are other, there are other opportunities. Uh, but it's difficult because this is one of the biggest opportunities that a lot of them lost. Yeah, especially for, like, a lot of revenue in general, in my opinion, because, I mean, it's hard. Like, whenever Chevy County Schools went up to, like, $7 for their admission, it was already hard enough to get, like, a single family of four, for example, to spend $30 at a football game already in general. Me, personally, they should at least, you know, work something out regarding that as well. At least maybe what, put $5 in admission instead of $7 like the last couple of years anyway. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, when you think of also the revenue loss, whether it be ticket sales, whether it be concession, there's a lot of programs outside of athletics. You know, you think about how many bands depend on concession sales at, you know, football games. Um, and just, you know, how many, you know, different programs within the school. Uh, I know the way like we're saying um, a lot of our uh, 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 other sports, like our springs, our smaller spring sports, depend on revenue generated during football season in order to have, you know, money to operate. And that's the way a lot of schools work is your band programs, your smaller sports, they depend on football and basketball you know, selling tickets, selling concessions, and, uh, you know, even goes into selling, you know, booster club memberships. A lot of that is driven through football and basketball programs. Uh, so the, it's just a – it's going to be a, a huge revenue hit uh, and financially strap uh, not just the football basketball programs, but a lot of these other uh, sports that um, – it's, it's not just the, you know, football basketball athletes that are going to be affected by this. So when it comes all to right, Wes, I'm going to go ahead. I'm very confused as to how all this is going to work. Um, obviously, there's no social distancing on a basketball court. I mean, we obviously know that. Um, I mean, how is that going to work? Because, I, I mean, I don't know. This whole COVID thing with sports just has completely got me thrown off completely. Uh, I mean, do you have any idea of how that's going to work with basketball season? I mean, they'll have to test more, I would think. Yeah, basketball season is going to be pretty difficult. Uh, I know people, you know, football is, you know, outdoors. Mm -hmm. The kids that are competing are obviously going against each other, but the fans are removed in terms right. of their distance from the actual field. So it's really just if all the players are healthy, you would like to think that, you know, they're not going to pass uh, anything on for the most part. But in basketball season, you look at how close the bleachers are to the actual, you know, you take you take a ball out of bounds. You may be standing right. You may be in someone's lap, and uh, you know. So there's going to have to be some things. I don't know if they close the first few rows of bleachers down. And uh, I know we've looked at our school with capacity and things like that. Uh, we're going to have to block off. You know, looking at the first couple of rows of bleachers and things, and um, you know, attendance is going to be limited, and it, it's going to be very difficult. Plus. You know, in football, a lot of times you run the play, you go back to your separate huddle, um, and, and it's kind of like, you know, this team, you, you have breaks 
you know, I know the CDC keeps going back and forth on time and exposure and things like that, but you don't have just that consecutive, a lot of consecutive time where you're just there. Um, you know, with basketball, it's a constant flowing game with five guys from each team running up and down the court, pretty much rubbing up next to each other for, you know, uh, yeah. you know, in college basketball, you're looking for 20 minutes at a time. And uh, it's, you know, basketball season. And I also wonder how they're going to handle because you're going to enter flu season. Uh, and so you mix that with COVID, you know, how are you going to, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of testing of, oh, is this flu, is this COVID, is this strep throat? Uh, you know, we've dealt with that even at, you know, as a high school football program of, you know, having to pull a kid out and, okay, they, I've never been so thankful that a kid had strep throat uh, <laughs> than I have uh, this season. And, um, you know, it, it, I think that's only going to get worse uh, heading into winter where you start adding in flu season and things like that. And then now your sports are all indoors. Um, and, and so I, I don't envy, you know, it, it's been hard being a football coach this year. I don't envy the position basketball coaches are going to be in um, <laughs> because I said, I think it, it may even be more difficult at times uh, for them to manage, uh, to try to find a way to get a season in. Yeah, I was going to say, especially when there's a chance, there could be a lot more forfeits because mm -hmm. it's the way you get that new rule now where it's a forfeit, you know, if you don't play your game. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's a rule of theirs that if you don't play the game, it's automatically a forfeit? There's no reschedule at all? Well, you can try to reschedule if you have a non-region. I saw in our basketball coaches about it. Theirs is going to be a little different. Um what it is is you get – they call it a COVID win for the team that could have played, and then the team that couldn't gets a no contest so you don't get a win or a loss. Um, and so – but with basketball, they're saying like when region games or district games, if you don't – I know ours have said that if you don't play at least 50% of your district games, you're not qualified for the tournament. What? I mean, you have no control over that. You're getting punished for something that you have zero control over. I think they were worried because there's some That's coaches crazy. that would manipulate the system of if you have a tough opponent that week of taking a COVID. Didn't think down. about that. <laughs> didn't, didn't even think about it like that. So yeah. It's like, hey, we weren't going to win this game anyway, but now we don't have to have a loss go on our record, and they can go ahead and have the win. Um, so I think, you know, and putting a forth a genuine effort to reschedule Basketball is a little bit easier because you can't play multiple games in a week. Right. Uh, I think from that aspect. So I, I, I think they just wanted to make sure that genuine efforts were being made to reschedule games uh, in, in the event that you had to shut down for a couple weeks. By the way, fans, just in case y'all didn't know, today's Halloween, so that's why I'm in the hot dog costume. I didn't know if I needed to tell y'all that or not. I figured it's kind of self-explanatory. Uh. Coach Butler, as a high school football coach, man, obviously I've got numerous questions for you. But the main question is, with this COVID stuff going on, how does that change your preparation as a coach, not just on a week-to-week -week basis, but essentially on a day-to-day -day and hour-to-hour -hour basis? I mean, that's got to be extremely stressful. We've had situations this year to where we've we've dressed half our roster for games. Um, wow. We had, we had one uh, game in particular uh, where we had uh, 
19 players dressed. Um, high school days. I, I've had to, I've gotten calls to where I've literally had to walk out on the practice field and pull a kid out of drills and tell them they're quarantined because of uh, an exposure to COVID. Um, and that's hard. I mean, because the kid knows I'm out for at least this week, possibly two games. Fortunately for most of our quarantines, it fell, you know, it was a blessing. It fell with a bye week as one of our weeks um, that uh, we never had to shut down the whole team so far. Uh, but we had, you know, instances where we had to remove players for exposure and, and things like that. Um, and they had to sit out a game. And then, fortunately, the following week was a bye week, so they didn't miss two games. Um, but it, it, it's hard to game plan, you know. Yeah. Uh, we, I've got a former player who's a college student union here in town who's come back and he's helping us uh, coach. And uh, on our bus ride up yesterday, he was just asking, he goes, he goes, I know y'all like to script your plays on offense, you know, to start the, start the game. He goes, are y'all still able to do that? I said, honestly, we haven't done it the past couple weeks because we would script, we would practice it that week. And then on a Thursday, we find out these four kids are out. And now it changes our personnel groupings. It changes, you know, a yeah, lot of It changes times. everything, literally, yeah. You script plays to try to get certain players going early in the game. Um, and so – it, it, it makes it even more difficult to game plan because you could have practiced something all week and then midweek or late in the week, you find out, hey, these kids can't play. And um, it, it it makes it challenging in that regard. Uh, it makes it challenging because you feel like sometimes you have to keep it relatively simple because you may be plugging in a young guy who hasn't played a whole lot. Um, and, and so it kind of limits you a little bit what you can do as a coach. Um, but that's, I guess, you know, uh, it's not necessarily just me doing, you know, the whole, everyone's dealing with that right now. Um, and so it's not a, uh, uh, you know, something that I'm just having to work through. It's, it's all high school coaches. It's all college coaches too. Yeah. I mean, uh, I said, I know Clemson probably wasn't uh, playing on playing this week without Trevor Lawrence. And no, <laughs> Boston College, but still, I mean, I'm sure they were not. And, and so you're seeing it across the board. I mean, even in the NFL, there's guys that, uh, you know, you're having to reschedule games in the NFL. Whoever thought that was going to happen, yeah. you know. Um, so it, it has its unique challenges. Uh, at this point, you know, I try to look back and at least be grateful we got our regular season in. And now we're in the playoffs, you know, to start the year. There there was doubt whether, you know, how many games were we even going to get into this before we may get shut down. Yeah. Um, hey, some teams only played five games, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, you look at, you know, our kids, our seniors, they got to have a high school football season. And at this point, we're hopefully going to make a run in the playoffs and get a few more games and see what we can do with this. But uh, – it's been tricky navigating it, to say the least. But uh, looking back on it, it's, you know, uh, our kids got to have a high school football season. And your kids as well, didn't they end up playing football this year? Like a little? Yeah, I've got uh, three boys. I have an eighth grader, sixth grader, and a fifth grader. And uh, I said, uh, my kids got to play football. Uh, 
our fifth and sixth grade team actually finished undefeated. So proud of them with that. Uh, and then uh, our eighth grade team, uh, our middle school team had a great year as well. Um, and they say it's uh, like they were six and three, and I think their three losses were all by one score. Uh, oh, wow. So, um, you know, just seeing that at all levels of, you know, not only did our high school team get to play this year, uh, but our middle school team, our elementary team, uh, they all got to have seasons. And, uh, and you go back to there's areas of the country, areas of our state uh, that, that that didn't get to take place. And uh, we feel fortunate that we were able to have that. Uh, like I said, all my kids, uh, you know, have been healthy through it. But uh, it's uh, it's a difficult time. Uh, and I understand the frustration of the parents that their kids have not gotten those same opportunities. I mean, I've known you since, like, when you played at Memphis a little bit. But I've known you a little bit more covering high school football and watching you coach on the sideline everything like that. I just want to give you also a special shout-out, you know, on this. I know it's a touchy topic a little bit, but, uh, hey, when you adopted those two kids, two kids of yours that you are, you adopted, I just want to say, hey, I respected you a lot more when you adopted those kids because, you know, a lot of people these days are still struggling with that. But uh, kudos to you on that as well. Thank you. And it, it, it really completed our family. It was definitely, you know, we were fortunate and just saw – Lord working through um, through that whole process, and uh, like I said, and honestly, you hear horror stories about you know the whole process of getting through that, and um, honestly, ours was probably as smooth as it as it could have gone. And uh, like I said, you know, we, we went from uh, being uh, you know ha having one kid to having three, and um, you know our uh, son Hudson went from being uh, only child to the youngest of three. And, uh, you know, he, he's kind of got the laid back, go with the flow personality. And I said, this is the way God made him and, uh, you know, made him perfect for this situation. And, you know, having three boys and they're all brothers and uh, just seeing just how our family came together. It just, uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't have written a, a better story for our family uh, no. through that process. And, it's just uh, – it's awesome. Love being their dad and uh, love just – can't imagine our lives without him. And I can't wait to watch them play high school football also. <laughs> I keep wondering how I'm going to coach them because I, I, say, <laughs> I, I say I may get ejected for, for choking out my own son. Guys, you want to talk to you on break down some football games this morning? Uh, what we're going to we do go. is we're going to go by the time slots, and we're going to do the Memphis-Cincinnati game last since I don't care what anybody says, that's the biggest game of the day. Um, Boston College is 25-point dog to the number one Clemson Tigers. Of course, Clemson is without Trevor Lawrence. They've got uh, – I don't even know how to say that guy's last name. Uh, the backup quarterback, uh, evidently the guy's a stud. Um, Clemson, 25-point favorite. John, I think Clemson's going to cover. Yeah, for the first half. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding with you. I, yeah, I think Boston College might put in a tough fight in the first quarter because they've had an up-and-down year. But, uh, yeah, Clemson will cover late in the game. One thing about this Boston College team, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Blake. Uh, no, 
their defense is impressive, man. Their 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 defense is, is they got some dogs on that on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah, you know, looking at Boston College, like you said, you know, guys mentioned just kind of up and down. Uh, you know, they played North Carolina close. Uh, you know, I'm kind of got off my cheat sheet here looking at some scores. Uh, You're uh, fine. <laughs> hey, we, we do the same thing. Uh, <laughs> but then you turn around, you look, you know, getting blown out by Virginia Tech. Um, so it, it's kind of hard to read. And then you look back at Clemson that, you know, struggled at times a little bit with, uh, I believe it was Syracuse last week. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's kind of a unique thing with COVID and college football and, you know, kids. And you, you never know what a program's dealing with a lot of times. So um, I don't know. I, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go that Clemson, uh, you know, wins, but uh, doesn't cover. We had not so fast there for a second there, John. I was going to say it's awful early for that. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, also, real quick, could the putter for Clemson have more total yards than Boston College in the second half? <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. That's what uh, I'd say on paper, yeah, Clemson probably should cover. But just I know probably losing your starting quarterback midweek. You never know what that does to the psyche of a team and, you know. That's true. And the preparation that goes in, I just, you know, there, there's a lot of unknowns and sometimes that, that can lead to closer games and what, what it should be. It'll be, in, it'll be an interesting matchup with Notre Dame in Clemson next week when Trevor Lawrence might not even play that game either. But, uh, yeah. okay, one of the big 12 games of the week is uh, Kansas State, number 16 in the nation, traveling to Morgantown, West Virginia. West Virginia is actually a five-point favorite, and everybody was talking about West Virginia's defense, but they didn't win last week. I'm still taking West Virginia at home now. You're going to take Virginia at home or West Virginia at home, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, tough place to play, man. Tough yeah, place it to is. Play. It, is, it is a very tough place to play, but I like this Kansas State team, man. They're, they're, they're gritty. Um, they're the front runner in the Big 12 right now. Um, I'm going to take Kansas State. Straight up in this one. Yeah, I think I'm going to lean towards uh, Kansas State on this. Uh, uh, another coach, uh, I guess it's his second year from North Dakota State. Uh, kind of his trademark in North, North Dakota State was just having, like you said, those tough, gritty teams. Um, and, and I think he's starting to kind of get that out of uh, what he's building at Kansas mm -hmm. State. Um, and so uh, – I think it's a close game, uh, but I think Kansas State pulls it off or at least covers. Up next, we've got the uh, big noon on Fox today with the Michigan State Spartans heading up to take on the big brother in Michigan. Jim Harbaugh with a huge win last week against Minnesota. Uh, honestly, I didn't pick – Michigan win. I picked Minnesota. I thought I think I thought Minnesota was a really good team. Um, I really did. I mean, Michigan just because I, I mean, after looking at Michigan State, Rutgers walked in and spanked them last week. What you got, John? Uh, rivalry game. Throw out the records because although they won't play one game, I've always loved when they when uh they got together because we Sparta versus the Wolverine. But uh, Mel Tucker, new coach at uh, Michigan State, 0-1 off the bat, came from Colorado. Harbaugh and them cover early game. Yeah. Harbaugh covers. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to go with uh, uh, John on this. I think Michigan wins. I think they win big. Um, like I said, you know, Rutgers, uh, I know you're wondering if they're, you know, coming back up. I don't think they've come back up that quickly over COVID era when you didn't get a lot of work in, um, especially with a new coach. Uh, I think Michigan State, obviously, they've kind of been surrounded as a athletic department by some scandal. Uh, and I think that's nice. you know, kind of hurt uh, their athletics across the board. Um, and uh, I, I think uh, Michigan handles them in, in this one. Go ahead, John. Talk about Georgia. Uh, I know you want no, to. No, no, this is too early for that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> No, I'm going to go with the ACC matchup in the Carrier Dome. Uh, one of the surprise teams the last couple of weeks, Wake Forest, Demon Deacons, 14-point favorites at Syracuse. I'll take Wake Forest. I'll take the Demon Deacons as well. Yeah, well, I think we can all agree on this one. I'll go Wake Forest as well. All right, one of the AAC matchups of the week. Tipple traveling to New Orleans and playing the Tulane Green Wave. This is kind of like an interesting matchup to me just because, one, Tulane been, can't hold leads. They're the Atlanta Falcons of the college football. But uh, nothing against my Tulane friends and everything like that. But uh, but uh, y'all just can't finish the ball game, you know? But, uh, it's pretty bad to call them the Atlanta Falcons in college football. Just, Atlanta can't stop anybody. <laughs> hey, the Braves lost. Hey, <laughs> look, don't start. Don't start on the Braves. Um, I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna take Temple in this one, John. Um, really, man. After watching Temple, how they played Memphis, uh, I like that Russo quarterback a lot. Um, I'm gonna take Temple in this game to become uh, two and two on the season with a big, big win down in New Orleans today. Yeah, I won't take Temple as well just because they did show me a little bit of offense last week, you know, the short passes against Memphis. And uh, they do got some stud receivers in blue as well that I'm very much impressed with. But a wrong team favorite here, Temple goes in down New Orleans and pulls off the upset and the win. Yeah, I think I'm going to roll with Temple as well. Uh, Like I said, I thought they looked good versus the Tigers. Uh, And I said, I, I think uh, Tulane struggled a little bit this year, like said, especially holding leads. Uh, and Temple's another one of those teams that just, you know, the Temple tough motto. Uh, I think if it's a close game, uh, Temple's uh, got the, I guess, uh, grit to come find a way to win. And when you kind of – call a team the Atlanta Falcons of college football, uh, uh, I, I, you don't have a lot of confidence in them in, in a close game. <laughs> <laughs> no, he has zero confidence in Tulane if he calls them the kid. Yeah, none. Uh, <laughs> up next, hey, they should be. Got, hey, they should be. They should be Navy. They should be SMU. Come on now. I agree. I agree. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you, buddy. <laughs> not at all. Uh, up next, we've got a Big Twelve matchup. Which fans, if you're not quite awake this morning and you're not going to watch the Memphis game, which I don't know why you would do that, but if you want to take a nap, flip it over to uh, Fox Sports One. Iowa State is taking on Kansas. You want to take a nap. It's a great nap game. Um, Kansas is absolutely <laughs> atrocious. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean. I actually like Les Miles, man. I really do. But I was really expecting him to kind of start seeing year two a little more of a turnaround, of course, with COVID going on. If your team's successful, are they really good? Or is it COVID? Or if they're terrible? Are they really that bad? You know, I've always kind of wondered that, too. But Iowa State's 27-and-a-half-point favorite. 
Um, I'm going to pull the shocker of the century. I'm going to say Iowa State does not cover that spread against Kansas. I'm going to go with one of the uh, coaches that are on that staff, a former Tiger as well, but not for the win. But uh, Joshua Ergel, you know, former Memphis guy, uh, he did pretty well against, you know, in the first – he competed with West Virginia as the interim pretty well in that game. But, uh, yeah, Iowa State, favored by 28, I think it's a little bit too much. In Kansas, Les Miles, I think, will hang in there and eat more grass after the game. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think Kansas uh, loses, like you said. You know, having a former Tiger out there, you root for them. But I think Iowa State's more known for their defense, um, not so much for putting up a ton of points. Um, and, you know, as a coach, honestly, Iowa State's kind of a unique defense. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy watching um, from a scheme standpoint. But as far as a gameplay standpoint, I understand why this could be a nap game. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm going to go with uh, Kansas to cover, but uh, I think Iowa State still wins by, you know, close to three scores. Staying in the Big 12. We're going to go with a – go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry, my fault. Go ahead. Uh, no, sorry. Not no, I, was gonna say, I apologize. Coastal Carolina, a team that I have seen more this college football season than probably ever before. Um, top 20 – I mean, they're ranked 20 in the country, 5-0, and Coastal Carolina, heading to Georgia State today. Coastal Carolina is only a three-and-a-half favorite. Uh John, do you think that line should be a little bigger? I'm going to take Coastal in this game. I'm a Coastal fan. I don't know where they are. I love the Chanticleer uh, mascot name. It's some kind of bird. But I'm I'm a big Coastal Carolina guy. I like Coastal. I'm going to take Coastal. John? I like their turf as well, but uh, it's pretty nice. But uh, they're right about Myrtle Beach. That's one reason I'm picking Coastal Carolina to uh, win this game and, and, and win and cover. But um, Georgia State has just been – they're 2-2 two and two on the year. They've been up and down as well all year. They haven't been the same kind of since they beat Tennessee last year. But uh, I'll take Coastal Carolina on the road to pull it out by three and a half. Yeah, I'm going to go with Coastal as well. Uh, you know, as a, co- a high school coach, you get a lot of different recruiting materials from different programs. They're, they're saying it's a ball at the beach. Uh, and so yeah. – well, they're going to, I guess, ball at the beach today, and I'm going to take them over to Georgia State. I like, I like that. What you got, John? Texas San Antonio traveling down to Florida and playing Florida Atlantic. Uh, Florida Atlantic is actually one and one on the year. We played two games. While Meanwhile, San Antonio has played seven games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida Atlantic is favored by four guys, but uh, I guess because they're at home in Florida. And it's supposed to be muggy and warm down there in Florida, but uh, – uh, UTSA, the wrong – I mean, Tyrone Nix is their former – or their defense coordinator right now. Uh, they've been kind of struggling on offense, looks like, off and on throughout the year as well. They lost – they came back and beat Louisiana Tech last week. I'm going to see them pull the shocker today and pull the upset as well over Florida Atlantic because they got more games under their belt. That's the only reason. <laughs> I did not know that Ty- Tyrone Nix, that's the guy that was former of the defensive coordinator at Southern Miss, correct? Yeah, and at Middle Tennessee under uh, Stockdale, I believe. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to take UTSA in this game, too. I'm going to take the Roadrunners. Um, 
for no other reason besides that they're four and three. Uh, they've got more games under their belt. They've got a little more, uh, a little more time, um, you know, game speed, that type of thing. Um, yeah, I'm going to take UTSA to uh, get the W down there. Yeah, I think I'm going Texas San Antonio as well. Uh, you know, the, the, this kind of, again, the COVID unique matchups of one team's played seven, one's played two. Uh, you, you've probably never seen anything like that before. Uh, and you would like to think a team that's played seven games is that much more improved um, as the year has gone on. Uh, so while if this was a normal season, I may lean towards Florida Atlantic. I think, like y'all said, the, the seven games in versus two games in, uh, San Antonio should be a little further advanced at this point, so I'm going to go with them. Okay, we got a Big Ten matchup. Purdue traveling to Illinois. Purdue's one and zero. Illinois is zero and one. Purdue got a good win last week against Iowa. Uh, Purdue favored by eight and a half. I don't know if the head coach is back for this game or not, or even their quarterback. But I take Purdue to cover eight and a half at Illinois. Is uh, Lubby Smith still at Illinois? Yeah. What take Illinois? I like Lubby Smith, man. Uh, I know Illinois is not a good football team. Um, I'm gonna take Illinois. Just, just. For the heck of it. To win the game, too? <laughs> uh, whoa, timeout. Slow down. I'm going to take the cover. I never said anything about win. Oh, that's not your lock of the week. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, it's not the lock of the week for Wes, no. I think I'm going to go with Purdue. Uh, you know, it's hard to tell, especially with the Big Ten, only being one game in. Um, but uh, just going off, I guess, three years and, and things like that. Uh, I'm going to lean towards Purdue just until Illinois kind of proves something on the field a little bit. Uh, I said, I think, like you said, Lovey Smith's a good coach. He just hadn't had a whole lot to work with. And and uh, so it'll be an interesting game just to see the outcome. And maybe, you know, the Big Ten getting a couple of games, games in, you start to see kind of the separation of the haves and have-nots a little bit. Um, and I'm going to lean towards Purdue on this one. All right, Wes, I'm going to go, now I'll go to Lexington and play. No, I've been waiting on it. I thought it was going to be the first game you did. Go ahead. Wes, no, it's good. <laughs> but uh, Georgia's number five in the nation, 17-point favorites, going to Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, Kentucky's offense has been a no-show lately. <laughs> and they got a starting quarterback this week. They bench Wilson, looks like – or Wilson is kind of battling an injury bug slash I think he got benched again, to be honest with you. But uh, Georgia's favored by 17 for a reason. The best defense – well, I, in my opinion, the best defense in the SEC right now, although they didn't show it against Alabama. But still, uh, Georgia, 17-point favorites in Lexington. I take Georgia to cover. I knew you would, buddy. I knew you would. I think Georgia could be hey. playing anybody, and you would take Georgia. No, uh, uh, hey, hey, if Kentucky says my – like, you know, the Kentucky fans say – by 90. I'm taking Georgia by 90. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Georgia's a good team. I think Georgia has a very good defense. Uh, we've seen that time and time again year out, um, unless they play Alabama and that high-powered offense. Uh, I'm going to take Georgia. I, I really – I mean, I was impressed with what Kentucky did against Mississippi State, holding that prolific offense to two points. I still don't understand how you can throw for 262 yards and only score two points in a game. But that whole air raid deal with Mike Leach right now is just 
the 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 air is kind of getting deflated out of it. I think uh, I'm gonna take Georgia. Uh, I think Georgia big. I think Georgia will win by more than 17 in this game. Yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna go with Georgia as well. Um, you know, looking at uh, Kentucky, uh, I think they have a really good defense. Um, and what's kind of confusing about Kentucky is, you know, where they had success in previous years of dedicating themselves to the run and just, hey, we're going to run the ball. You know, we're going to run the ball, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, without giving up, I guess some of my sources, I talked to a uh, coach who's on a staff that has played against Kentucky this year. And they said if they will dedicate to run the ball like they have in years past, their offensive line is really, really good. He said their offensive line is comparable with about any in the SEC uh, when it comes to running the ball. And he said, now I'm glad they didn't versus us. He said, but uh, – he said if they will dedicate themselves to the run game, they'll give themselves a lot better chance uh, in, in a lot of these games. So uh, I'm picking Georgia, but uh, I think Kentucky can, you know, reel some wins off of that defense, especially if they'll go to a more uh, really commit to a ball control uh, power run offense. Uh, I think they'll have a lot better shot in some of these games or at least keeping this game close. Uh, if they'll do that, but I'm I'm still going with Georgia. Speaking of Kentucky, um, of course they've got Mike Stoops as their head coach. Uh, I I think he's done an amazing job at Kentucky. Let me ask you this, John, and we'll get to it later when we get down uh, to a certain team um, from Texas. Speaking of Texas, I don't think Tom Herman's going to make it out of this year. Um, I could be absolutely insane. I just don't see it. Uh, I think a guy like a Mark Stoops would be a nice hire at Texas. Uh, what do you think on that, John? Man, I too early for that. <laughs> you think it's too early, really? I mean, I just – I mean, the Texas fans are pissed off right now. I mean, let's be honest. They are living it's too, No, it's, awesome. what I was trying to say, it's too early to ask that question at 9 o'clock, almost 10 o'clock. <laughs> it's not too – it's never too early to ask that question. Uh, yeah, it is. I, just, I just don't see Tom Herman making it. I mean, he's in, what, year four now. Um, he hadn't done anything. I, I mean, you got Sam Ellinger, who's a heck of a quarterback. You've got talent for days in Texas. I, I just don't I, – I, I think Tom Herman's got a little too much hype, and that's just my opinion. Yeah, I can see that. I, I, can, I can agree with that statement, you know. In college football, you know, you see guys that, you know, become hot names and get these big jobs. I think I think Mark Stoops is a really good football coach. Um, but what happens a lot of times, is especially because of booster involvement and who writes the checks for these coaches, that if you don't have the, uh, the name or the hot name, uh, they may not write a check for Mark Stoops, even though when you look at, maybe the talent level he's had at Kentucky or what he's had to build at Kentucky, that if given the resources of a Texas, he may end up becoming one of the best coaches in the country. Yeah. Um, but so often they go after a hot name of guys that have gotten success at places. Oh, Mike Novell. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, some guys that may, you know, maybe gotten success, uh, in programs that were already hand-built. 
Um, and like I said, you know, I think Tom Herbin, uh, <laughs> say who he's been in the past, I think is starting to show true and the public's getting a glimpse of that. Um, you know, in college football, you've got some guys that are really good coaches, really good guys. And then you have some who aren't. And I think Tom Her- Herman is one who is not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think he is reaping what he has sown and, uh, you know, it, just the way he's carried himself. And uh, I think it's coming back on him now. Uh, my dad always had a saying uh, that he would tell to his players. Uh, he said, there's two types of players in the NFL. And he said, and the same applies in college and the same applies for coaches. He said, there's the humble and those who will be humbled. And uh, I think Tom Herman is getting humbled right now. Yeah, it doesn't pay to flip off the uh, Texas network during – was it signing national signing day? He turned and just gave. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna do it on camera, yeah. but he <laughs> gave him. I almost did. I'm not gonna lie. I almost brought my hand up and I stopped myself. Um, I, you can't do that. I mean, you, you are at Texas. You're not at Texas San Antonio. And no offense to Texas San Antonio. You're not. You're not at Texas State. You are at the Texas University, the main quote unquote. College of Texas. You can't do that. You have to hold yourself. You have to hold yourself to a higher standard, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think, especially you look at the check that Texas A&M just cut. Hot dogs getting fired up over here this morning. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Hot dogs still on the grill, I guess. He is still on the grill. He's getting crispy. <laughs> uh, I think. I think Texas will make a change, and uh, I think they're. Well, you're, you're Mark Stoops. Uh, you'd like to see some guys that have really built a program with limited resources get a shot at that. Um, I think they'll go after whoever the, you know, quote-unquote sexy name is. And, you know, a lot of times you have people that don't understand football, uh, that maybe they just like the biggest check. They get a say in a coaching hire that they really have no business having a say in. Speaking of Tom Herman and his former team, the Houston Cougars – uh, which now they got Dana does not own Macomb Holgerson as the head coach. Um, Central <laughs> Florida, sorry. That guy's hair is just – it's like Trump it's times the, 50. It just goes everywhere. It's crazy. Um, it's the visor. It's, 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 is that what it is? It's the visor. He doesn't have the full hat, so it doesn't cover it. Maybe that's what it is. But I like Dana, Dana Holgerson as a coach. Um, Central Florida heading down to Houston. Uh, Central Florida is only a three-point favorite. Um, of course, Washington Central Florida against Memphis, man, they got a high-powered offense, as we know, and they've got world-class speed, as we well know. Um, I really, to be honest, I really haven't seen a lot of Houston this year. Um, three games. Yeah, I was going to say, they've only played three games. Uh, I don't like Central Florida. I'm going to take – I don't like – I don't really don't like either one of these teams. Um, I'm going to take Houston. I just – just because I think they can – I think Houston can beat Central Florida. So you got them to cover a win. So much pressure on the dog this morning. Uh, I'm going to take them to win, John. You know, like we just said, three games under their belt for uh, Houston. They beat Tulane 49-31. They had to come back and win that one. Uh, BYU, they lost 43-26, and they beat Navy last week – or, yeah. They beat Navy last week, thirty-seven to twenty-one. I still think Gabriel for UCF is probably one of the top quarterbacks in the 
country. Yeah. Right now, looking at his total yards and everything, but uh, UCS got too much speed against Houston's defense. Yeah, I still don't understand why that game's on ESPN Plus. I wish it was on like the CBS College Sports Network, so I can have two games going on at once. But uh, UCF will cover and win the game. I think uh, this is a pretty hard pick. Um, but I'm going to go just – I don't know if it's because I've watched UCF more, at, you know, with them playing Memphis. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with UCF. Um, like I said, I was impressed with their offense. Uh, of course, you know, our, our defense is really kind of finding its footing right now at Memphis. So, um, you know, you wonder how much of it is the UCF power and us, you know, having to replace some guys who opted out and things like that. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Just for more being more familiar with UCF, I'm going with UCF. <laughs> and we've got some comments on our Facebook Live right now, as guys. Uh, Brandon Bumgarner said Tigers by 20, locking up. Uh, Chris Kirkman <laughs> said Texas fans haven't been happy since Vince Young. LOL. He's probably got a point there. Uh, Rob Meredith, big UT fan, uh, said Mark Stoops is a damn good coach. Um, but he is not sexy enough, as you alluded to, uh, for Texas. They have their eyes on Urban Meyer or even Nick Saban. Uh, rumor was they offered Nick Saban a year, a 10 plus million a year before hiring Tom Herman. And also that they have the largest budget in the country. I don't see Nick Saban going to Texas. Maybe. I mean, it would be a shock. Um, I would like to see, uh, just to kind of wrap that part up. A guy like a Billy Napier at Louisiana, um, I think he's another guy that may be a sexy name by the end of the season. Um, somebody like that. But I could see him going after Urban. Uh, I think Urban's being paid really well by Fox, I'm sure, to be an analyst. Um, but a lot of people are saying Urban's washed up. I don't think Urban's washed up. The guy's uber talented as a coach. Yeah, I think uh... – Texas fans are going to want to – they're going to think of themselves, we can write any check we want, and we can go take a top five coach currently and give him whatever he wants, and he'll come here. Uh, but, of course, some coaches, you know, may not want to factor in all they have to deal with at Texas and the expectation of a, a program that may not be what it once was and may need some time to get back to that competitive uh, stature. Right. Uh, up next, we've got the uh, Rice Owls at 0-1, uh, traveling down to the Rock to take on Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. Uh, Southern Miss is on, like, their third coach of the year, and their other coach just got hired by Austin P. midseason, which blew me away. Uh, uh, Southern Miss is a one-and-a-half-point favorite, which is basically a pick em. Uh Give me the Rice Owls. I, I think Southern Miss has just got too much stuff going on right now. I think Southern Miss and uh, the former Memphis Tiger, Tim Billings, is their uh, interim guy right now. So, Southern Miss will definitely cover and win the game. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to go with Rice. Just, uh, you know, lose your interim mid, mid – He's uh, going with the dog, John. He's going with the hot dog. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I, I hadn't had breakfast. I'm hungry or something. I don't know. Oh, uh, calm down, calm down. This mustard is not real. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Rice, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, lost a tight one to MTSU. Uh, 
uh, that was the one where the field goal kicker hit the upright, the crossbar, the upright and crossbar again, and it bounced out. Exactly. Oh, it was like a quadruple complunk. It was, it was crazy. And so um, I'll be interested to see how they respond to that. You know, that was their first game. Uh, being that close in their first game, I think they improve. I think they're hopefully, I think, going to be on the uptick. Southern Miss, I think, just fighting a lot of issues within the program. Um, so everything being even, I think I'm going to go with Rice. A Sunbelt action down in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Troy Trojans play at Arkansas State. And Arkansas State, one of the Blake Anderson's Red Wolves, and Lincoln Pairs also, who's having a decent year for as a freshman who played at Houston High School here in Memphis. But Arkansas State for about three and a half. Over and under looks like it's going to be a shootout at 70. Uh, Arkansas State, three and a half. I'll definitely take Arkansas State at home, although I'm still not a fan right now with this late in the season with their two-quarterback rotation. I knew it was coming. You hate that two-quarterback system. Uh, Look how many games they're playing. <laughs> Find a quarterback. I, <laughs> well, I know, Blake, I know, Blake, Blake, I know. Blake, as a high, Blake, help me out. Uh, a high school coach that I'm talking to right now, what's going on? Are you a fan of this two-quarterback rotation in the college ranks this far in the season right now? If you don't have someone who's clear-cut, I understand the rotation, but not at this point. I think after you've gotten some game tape on your quarterbacks, uh, I think it, it becomes a lot more clear in terms of evaluation and finding an identity on offense. I know someone's like, well, this guy is more of a, you know, dual threat athlete. This is guy is more of a, you know, the point guard of the offense who can distribute the ball. Um I think you've got to pick an identity and run with it. And then maybe you have a sub package every now and then that, you know, the dual threat guy comes in just to jumpstart the offense. But he's it's not a rotate throughout the game situation. It's more of a, hey, if we're struggling, maybe this guy can get us jump started, but not a uh, conscious like, hey, on the third series you're going in. Type of deal. I think. I think at this point in the season, you got to pick one and roll with it, and uh, and, and and go from there. Uh, but in, in this game, I think I'm gonna roll with Arkansas State. Uh, you know, just uh, I think they've got a good football team. Uh, you know, they've got a couple local kids. Uh, like you said, uh, with the running back from Houston, uh, uh, Jacob Steele, lineman from St. George's. Uh, we I coached against him. Uh, I remember watching his high school film uh, just from, you know, playing against St. George's and thought, you know, if this guy was 6'5", he'd have every offer in the country. Um, you know, and, you know, looking at linemen, that's kind of my uh, draw there of uh, when I see a kid at 6'1", 6'2", that still gets a chance to play FBS football. Uh, you know, they're, they're, really, they're really good football players to be able to overcome, you know, that height to get to that level. Um, but uh, I like Arkansas State. I think Blake Anderson's a great coach, a great man. You know, we talked about just some of Tom Herman's flaws. I think Blake Anderson's the opposite of that. Oh, yeah. uh, and uh, I've known guys who worked for him uh, and vouch that even when you're on in the inside of the program, it's not just a, a public perception or persona he puts out there that he's the real deal. Like he's a true, genuine guy uh, that cares about his players, cares about – uh, his coaches, um, and has a true family atmosphere there. And uh, uh, he's a guy that's easy to root for when they're not playing the Tigers. Uh, but I like the team, and I like I like Arkansas State. And it's always fun to go there for a game. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
always enjoy going over to Jonesboro. Uh, they got a nice little stadium over there. Uh, they, they've made some little small upgrades to it as well. Uh, Jonesboro was always a fun place to play. I would take Arkansas State as well. Uh, just to piggyback off what you were saying, Blake, uh, huge, huge, huge Blake Anderson fan, man. Uh, just love the guy. Uh, what Georgia did last year after uh, his wife, Wendy, passed away with cancer was, to me, one of the classiest things I've ever seen in any sports, uh, no matter what sport it is. Uh, man, when they, when they did the pink out for her and uh, did, did everything for him pregame, that was a very classy move. And as John and, John and I have talked about numerous times, uh, if it came down to it, I would like to see Blake Anderson as the Memphis head coach one day if that was to happen. Uh, up next, we've got Notre Dame on ABC today. Normally they're on NBC, not today. It's ABC. Uh, Notre Dame taking on a Georgia Tech team that's just a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, I'm going to take Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's one of the best teams in the country. Uh, Brian Kelly's got this team playing really well. Their running attack to me is just uh, – it's, it's, it's prolific. I'm going to take Notre Dame to win. The line's 20 and a half. Uh, Notre Dame will beat them by 30. Same here. Yeah, I'm, going, I'm wrong with Notre Dame. I think uh, Georgia Tech's still in a big rebuild. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think their coaching staff has their kids playing hard. It's just going to take a couple of recruiting cycles for them to be competitive in a game like this. Yeah. I think Jeff Collins is doing a nice job there. Uh, I think I think if you look at the job he did at Temple, uh, I think he can definitely get that program turned around. But that's a big culture shock from go from running the option every play for 12 years to now throwing the ball around the yard a little bit. But that Jeff Sims quarterback he's got, uh, is a lot of fun to watch. Young freshman kid. Uh, very fun to watch. Uh, John, Big Ten Network today at 2.30. You got a team that uh, shocked the crap out of everybody last year or last week except me. Uh, Indiana, number 17 in the country, taking on maybe one of the biggest surprises ever, and that's Greg Schiano's Rutgers uh, Scarlet Knights. Both teams are 1-0. and oh. I don't see a line on this game at all, so it must be a pick em. Um I don't know, man. I'm kind of torn. I'm going to let y'all pick, and I'll listen to y'all, and then I'll pick. Indiana's got too much power on offense. Same, same record nights. Uh, that's only won one game in, like, 30 years, it seems. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll take uh, – Indiana to win the game straight up and cover. Yeah, I'm going with Indiana. Um, I said Rutgers, you know, you don't know if it's, hey, they've improved or Michigan State's just in that much turmoil. Um, I, I, I like Indiana and Tom Allen up there. He's another one of the good guys in college football. Um, that uh, I know the video, I guess it was last week, where his players shouting out, we love you, coach. Uh, you know, they, you don't get that, uh, you know, genuine of a response if you're kind of, you know, if your players don't love you and truly respect you. And um, like I say he's another one that I've had an opportunity to meet and talk with. And um, he actually started out as a high school football coach. Uh, really? Yeah. Ben Davis in Indiana uh, was a longtime head, successful high school head coach up there and um, actually spent some time in Jackson, Tennessee at Lambeth. Um, 
as a coach. Under, under Hugh, right? Under Hugh Freeze and going down to Ole Miss and, you know, bounced around to a couple different places and wound up in Indiana. Uh, his son was actually a student at Trinity before I came here as head coach. Um, but, uh, you so know. So, uh, are you just holding out for the for the bandy job? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Maybe a sleeper candidate, I guess. <laughs> cannot, cannot really comment right now. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, uh, and I like India. They've got a local Jackson kid up there as a sticker from uh, University School of Jackson, uh, Charles Campbell. Uh, you know, great family, awesome kid. Um, and uh, you know, I'm going to go with Indiana. I like what Tom Allen's doing up there. And uh, he's a local kid that uh, – you know, and Indiana's got a lot of uh, kids from Memphis up there. Uh, from yeah. Well, I know some Cordova kids. and uh, Yeah, Jacoby Kewitt, yeah. And uh, and things like that. So, um, you know, we'll go with Indiana for the Memphis flavor and, uh, you know, uh, just liking what they're doing up there. All right, I'll take Indiana. Y'all convince me. I'll take Indiana. John, up next, you got UAB. That's UAB for y'all that don't know. Uh, UAB treading down to – Shreveport, Louisiana, to take on those daggum rambling tech, Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. Uh, four and two is uh, UAB's record. Three and three, Louisiana Tech. UAB's a 13-point favorite. Give me the Blazers, John. John, are you there? Where'd you go? I'm here. I'm just okay. charging something. Okay. <laughs> Give me the Blazers. But, uh, uh, Blake, the Legion Field was your uh, better stadium was to go visit, right? As a player, right? <laughs> uh, I, I hate UAB. Uh, <laughs> they, they could be playing a middle school. I'm not picking UAB. But uh, the battle of the modes, right? But uh, anyways. Uh, That's awesome. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, a lot of takes couldn't be over last week because I thought they were to uh, basically beat Texas Antonio. UAB and Will Clark has um, uh, the offense going at some time, but I'll take UAB to cover. Yeah, uh, I'll go with La Tech. You know, Coach Clark, he he is a he's a good coach. I'll say that. You know, you know, joking about UAB. You know, from the stadium they had down at Legion Field, we've uh, had a rough go in my time at Memphis uh, with UAB. Uh, seems like we always pick them to play our worst game of the year. Um, but, Ronald uh, Webb at quarterback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, well, you know, I, I'll go with La Tech, but. Uh, uh, like I said, maybe that's just my old uh, hatred for playing at UAB and, and things like that. But uh, now, Coach Clark again, he's one of the uh, you know guys who's done something with limited resources down there and been through a lot with that program and bringing it back. And um, you know, respect him as a coach. It's just when I see Legion Field and the UAB Blazers, I just I, I can't pick them. Like when I look at anybody in UT Orange, I just start getting sick to my stomach. Um, up next, we've got uh, the TCU Horn Toads going down to Baylor to take on the Baylor Bears. Uh, you know, I'm going to take Baylor. Uh, I like Dave Aranda. I know Baylor's only played three games. They've been hit by COVID, I think, probably harder than anybody else in the country this year. Uh, I'm going to take Baylor. I like Dave Aranda. Um, but I mean, I also like Gary Patterson, but uh, yeah, give me the Baylor Bears at home, John. I take TCU, uh, just because of the old conference USA days. That's the only reason. But uh, Blake, were you part? I know you were probably part of it, but uh, were you part of that uh, TCU Memphis fight back in the day? 
that was my redshirt year, so I, I did not uh, travel to that Man, game. Nice save I, there, Blake. Nice save on that. One. <laughs> I, was, I was not. I did not partake in that, but uh, it was. Uh, yeah, it was interesting time, but. Uh, yeah, I just remember listening to Velocian when I was in like high school, and I'm like, "There's a fight on the field. There's a fight on the field." Oh man, you got to love Wolo. Look, here's the only thing about Wolo. Let's just talk, and we'll and I'll get to it back when we get to the Memphis game in a minute. Why can he not tell if a receiver catches the ball or not? Since I've been listening to Wolo my entire life, call no dropped. Well, which one is it, Dave? Did he catch it or did he drop it? I just that just irritates me. I'm sorry. Um, so you take him. So everybody's taking Baylor, 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 Baylor. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with TCU. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I was the only one who took Baylor. I apologize. <laughs> uh, up next, we've got uh, an interesting game. An Auburn team that should not be three and two right now. It's obvious that the uh, greatest love story of the century right now is between the SEC officiating crew and Auburn. Uh, they've got something going on backstory or something. I don't know what's going on there. LSU traveling down to Auburn. I'm going to take LSU just because I'm ready to see Auburn lose a game legitimately. Uh, I don't – I'm not a fan of Gus Malzahn. I hate Chad Morris. Um, the whole left left hammer laying down crap he had going on up here in Arkansas was a crock of crap. Uh, give me LSU. Give me go Tigers. Or drawn. That's all you got to say. Or drawn. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with LSU <laughs> as well. LSU, uh, I say, I think they're they're getting some young guys uh, experience, some game experience, and they're improving. And uh, I said Auburn uh, has had some very beneficial things go their way. And uh, uh, I, I'm going to lean towards LSU on this one and Coach Oak. An interesting Big Ten matchup. Northwestern traveling to Iowa. Iowa's a two-and-a-half point favorite. Wrong team favored. Northwestern, I think, will pull it off. Uh, give me Northwestern. You know, what the heck? We'll go. We'll go Northwestern. I I love what you know. Oh, Iowa. That's, that's a tough to pick. That's a tough game to pick right there. The offensive line at Iowa is consistently just one of the best in the country. Uh, but Coach Fitzgerald at Northwestern, I think he's another one that does an outstanding job. Uh, but I'll go with Northwestern. Up next, we've got uh, Oklahoma State. We'll get to that Ole Miss Vandy game in just a second, John. We got to get over with. Come on. What? What? <laughs> Let's go ahead and get Texas, over with. Let's go. <laughs> Texas, Oklahoma State. Uh, give me Oklahoma State big. Uh, they're only a three-and-a-half point favorite. I expect them to roll Texas today. I'll tell you, Oklahoma State and Stillwater, Oklahoma is a tough place to play at when you've got students all over you, basically. Um, Oklahoma State does have the running game still an intact, pretty good, so I'm definitely taking the Cowboys at home. Yeah, going Oklahoma State and Chubba uh, Hubbard, uh, the running back with uh, Oklahoma State, uh, one of the fastest guys in the NCAA. Uh, yeah, I think Oklahoma State takes it by – a lot more than three and a half, three points today. Yeah, and I think today is the beginning of the downfall for Tom Herman. I think it gets worse after today. Go ahead, John. I was going to say, now we got a game in Nashville. Uh, the lane train, Ole Miss Rebels. 
whose Twitter has been pretty fun to watch this week regarding the fine that he got. But uh, just talking about in general, he needed some pennies to uh, pay his fine. Yeah, he but, just uh, didn't know the mathematics of how many pennies he <laughs> actually needed. But uh, Elvis, I think finally, hopefully, Corral can get them going back again. And uh, don't throw more interceptions than he had the last two games, hopefully. No. Ole, Vanderbilt has just been a disaster the last couple of years. But uh, Ole Miss will win by 17. Yeah, I'm going to take Ole Miss as well. Um, excuse me. Uh, yeah, like you said, John, uh, I like Derek Mason. Uh, I respect the job that he has done at Vanderbilt. Um, <clears throat> but it's very hard to win there, as we well know. I mean, even if we go back and look at James Franklin – he wasn't successful right walking in the door, uh, at least if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, I'm going to take Ole Miss. Uh, I, I, I like this Lane train, uh, and Lane Kiffin's a, a good coach. I think he's a cocky guy, but I like him. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ole Miss uh, as well. Just Vanderbilt's one of the toughest jobs in the country when you look at what you're up against uh, just conference-wise and – uh, they're, they're in the SEC. They're the uh, proverbial one man, uh, one legged man in a butt kicking contest. To put it nicely. <laughs> um, when you look at just the academic standards you have to have to get in there, and then with uh, uh, just the resources that other schools around them put into their football programs, first what Vanderbilt does, uh, it, it's a tough job. And I think Ole Miss uh, is going to roll today. You know, Louisville had a good win last week. Or well, not a good win, but Florida State was just a different story. But right now, what's going on with Florida State? But uh, Louisville, uh, only three-point dogs this week, the Justin Floyd, the Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech with wins more than three points. Yeah, I think Virginia Tech wins this game. Um, man, it really all depends on what Louisville team shows up. Uh, you know, the Louisville team that showed up against Florida State last week was pretty daggum impressive. The Louisville team that showed up against, uh, who was it, North Carolina, what, a few weeks before then, was atrocious. Um, give me Virginia Tech. You know what, let me find out if that was North Carolina. Sorry, that's just irritating me. Um, give, me, give, me give me Virginia Tech. Uh, I think that uh, Justin Fuente has got that team playing some pretty good football right now. Um, and uh, that game next week, between Liberty and Virginia Tech is going to be very, very, very interesting, in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, I like Virginia Tech in this one. Uh, in Louisville is another team that's hard for me to root for just from the playing days and, understand. and things like that. But, you know, I think Coach Puente is uh, getting some things turned around up there at Virginia Tech. And uh, I'll be following that Liberty-Virginia uh, Tech game as well. Uh, my brother is actually in Lynchburg, Virginia, went to law school at Liberty. Uh, so he is always, even before Hugh Freeze got there, was always updating me on the athletic program at Liberty. And uh, he seems to think uh, Liberty can pull it off. And it may be a situation yeah. where how Tennessee wouldn't play Memphis in the past decade in football to where Virginia Tech may not want to play Liberty anymore. <laughs> uh, after that. That's, I mean, I'm, you can't you can't help but be impressive with the job that Hugh Freeze has done at Liberty. Um, to be what are they five and zero right now? Um, six and, and six and zero. Uh, I mean, they're they, it's just impressive, uh, especially with what he went through last year with being in the hospital and coaching from a hospital bed in the press box was 
that is the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, but it was cool. I mean, and, and, and that shows his dedication to the football team, the football program, and the success of those. Uh, I'm a big Hugh Freeze fan, man. I mean, I, what he did is what he did, and, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, Appalachian State heading down the road just about 60 miles south of me uh, in Monroe, Louisiana, to take on the Warhawks, who are just god-awful this year. Uh, you know, I really looking going back from last year, watching how Louisiana Monroe really gave Memphis a good game uh, down there last year to what they are this year. Give me Appalachian State big. Uh, I think App State's going to roll them by at least 40 points. So. Next. Yeah. <laughs> App State, not even going to look at the line. I don't even know what it is, but it could be 41. Yeah, it's like 30 and a half or something. Uh, up next, we got Boise State traveling to Air Force. Um, Boise State's only played one game. Air Force played two. Boise State's 14-point favorite. Um, mm, give me Boise. You know, I thought Utah State would have had a – or Utah State would have basically played a better fight since they have always played Boise State pretty well last week in Boise. But uh, Air Force is always – you know, their offense is always tough to defend as well, you know, in general. But uh, I don't know how many fans are allowing down in Colorado Springs this weekend, but uh, I'm thinking Air Force to cover, but it'll be like a late touchdown to cover. Air Force is a tough breed just from uh, they destroyed Navy and then lost to San Jose State, uh, which is – Yeah, crazy. San Jose State typically isn't your world beater. Uh, no, no, that's that's not a threatening team to me generally. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with Boise. Just like I said, their one game looks like a pretty impressive win. So I'm gonna go with Boise to cover. All right. Uh, up next, Alabama, Mississippi State. Alabama, thirty and a half. Give me Bama. Everybody taking Bama. I take it. Yes, yeah, Bama. Especially yeah, especially the way Mississippi State don't even have a quarterback right now. That's been they get too much drama right now, especially with Hill leaving the team this week and just a lot of drama. This yeah. Alabama will cover. Yeah, big time. Uh, I think Bama one of them, has one of the most prolific offenses in the country. And I think they're very similar to Clemson in as however you want to play the game, they can play that game and they can beat you doing that. And that's, that's a threat that not a lot of teams in this country have. Um, New Mexico State traveling to San Jose State. Uh, I know nothing about either one of these teams, to be dead honest with you. Uh, I know San Jose State's won a game. Uh, give me uh, give me New Mexico. Give me the Lobos. I'll take them. I'll take New Mexico, too. <laughs> Rolling New Mexico. Up next, we've got a, uh, North Car- a state of North Carolina battle where uh, you got the Dukies, the fighting uh, David Cutcliffs, Going against the Charlotte uh, – what is Charlotte's mascot, John? They're still the 49ers. Are they still the 49ers? Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I thought they might change it by now. Uh, man, Duke's a 10-point favorite. Duke is 1-5 this year. Uh, uh, give me Duke. <laughs> you know, I do like Will Healy a lot, the former Austin P coach. Yeah. Who's now at Charlotte, who's definitely, you know, who I'm kind of surprised – a lot of more coaches haven't contacted him after that one year. I mean, 
I'm sure he's got phone calls, but I'm sure, you know, after that one year success that he did at Charlotte and the way he turned that Austin P program around so quick, especially with them going to the semifinals in that one double A. But yeah. I think Duke is just too much. I'm not going to say Charlotte wins the game, but I think Charlotte does cover and then Duke wins the ball game. But Charlotte's, you know, I love their mascot from the old Conference USA days as well from the basketball tournaments. But, uh, yeah, Charlotte the like the like the like Petey, the the Petey looking guy with the little axe pick thing. Uh, yeah, 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 I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, he was he was kind of cool. I like him a lot better than that stupid looking Duke mascot that wears the little yeah. headband thing or whatever. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, Charlotte. Uh, like I said, with Healy uh, to cut to cover. I'd like to see him pull it off. Uh, you're gonna get the dog hot for a second. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> but uh, again, they, they uh, Coach Ely's done a great job. Uh, had a one of my players in high school got a chance to play for him at Austin P. Uh, speaks highly of him. Uh, also, former Tiger Marcus West, uh, co-defensive coordinator with Charlotte. Oh wow! And, Did not know uh, that. Cool. And so um, you know, Marcus has done a good job. He's been with Coach Ely from at Austin P. and uh, moved with him and. Um, you know, I, I think they'll be uh, ready to play, especially when you get to go against a uh, quote-unquote power five team that's within your own state. Uh, there's also obviously a chip on your shoulder to prove that uh, you belong with the big boys, and uh, I think Charlotte comes out ready to play today. Uh, by the way, John, uh, your brother Chris wants to know where your blue hair is because it's Halloween. Uh, in the closet right now. <laughs> I'm in a hot dog costume, and you're in nothing, and it's Halloween. It's okay. I'm in a Memphis, uh, I'm in a Memphis t-shirt. That's the most important thing. Up next, we got the hey, I'm a, Missouri. Hey, I'm a diehard oh, die Memphis fan for Halloween. There we go. Okay, there you go. There you go. There you go. Uh, up next, we've got the Missouri Tigers heading down to the swamp to take on the number 10-ranked Florida Gators on the SEC alternate channel today, 630. Uh, Florida's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. I tell you what, man, uh, what's that guy's name? Drinkowitz? That guy's yeah. done a pretty good job with that Missouri team. Um, Dan Mullen, you know, he had had some COVID issues going on down there in Florida. I'm going to take Florida. Uh, the, the only thing that scares me about Florida is their defense. Their defense cannot stop anybody. Oh, by the way, guys, Tigers are in gray helmets. Uh, white jersey with blue lettering with gray outline and gray pants today for the game. I like, I like the blue and gray look. I do too. I've always liked the gray pants. Um, uh, just going back to when I first started watching Memphis, uh, you know, we wore gray pants for a long time. Um, and I just like that classic look. You know, Dayton Mullen's also been crying about no practice on Election Day as well. Since when the NCAA gave them, you know, the day off for the vote and everything like that this year as well. But uh, I won't take Missouri to cover, but I think Florida will win. So he's complaining because they didn't practice when they voted? Well, he had planned a big, like, They're basically having a day off. Yeah. And the NCAA said that had to count as a team activity. Oh, okay. And so it counts towards their hours, and he was going to take it, hey, this is our day off. You know, you have to schedule a day off each week. Uh, he was going to schedule that as our day off and basically say, hey, I'll, we're going to take the whole team to vote. 
And the NCAA said, no, no, that doesn't count as a day off because that is still a team activity. And apparently, I guess, whatever. Yeah. Isn't allowed to encourage his guys to vote on their day off. The NCAA, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to say they're a joke, but they're a joke. I mean, crap. Come on now. I mean, you've got guys just, you've got guys who are transferring around. And, oh, oh, no, you can't play, but you can play, but you can't play. But, oh, you're going to Alabama? Yeah, go ahead. You can play. Oh, you're coming to Memphis? No, man, you got to sit out for two years and pass 50 million tests. And it's just a crock of crap. It's all about if you're the big boys or if you're not. And if you're not the big boys, you get you get crapped on. And it's just – I mean, that's just my opinion. Sorry, a little hot dog rant this morning. But <laughs> it's, you know, it's just ridiculous, man. Yeah, that's uh, – so basically from what I gather, it's uh, Florida can – you know, they have the day off to go vote, but if Dan Mullen organizes rides for the whole team to go vote, that's a team activity and you can't do that. <laughs> Holy shit. So, so y'all getting the cover or what? I'm going uh, – oh, what the heck, we'll go Florida. I'll go Florida to cover. Uh-huh. Okay, one game, Wes. I hate to say this to you. I'm gonna bring it up now, but because uh, uh, Bree might be listening, but uh, she's not. Arkansas, Arkansas at Texas A&M. First game is not in Dallas in so many years, but uh, Arkansas is a 14 point dog at A&M. You know, I like what Daryl Dickey has done so far with the running backs at Texas A&M as well. But I do like how Sam Pittman has turned that Arkansas team around. <laughs> Definitely. But uh, you can't but love the guy with his press conference as well. But I think Texas A&M will definitely cover the game with a late touchdown. Uh, Blake, just to give you a little background on the reason we're talking about Arkansas and my wife, I currently live in Crossett, Arkansas, a very, very, very small town, southeast Arkansas. My wife is an Arkansas alum, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of a – well, you know how it is when you get married, man. You got to, you know, split things up. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I've been watching this hog team. We've been together for four years now. I've been watching this hog team for four years. Uh, obviously, uh, I've started out with uh, uh, what I called him as uh, Bimala, uh, Bimala, not Bimala, Bimala, um, Bulimia, whatever you want to call him. Um, I'm not a um, – I was not a Chad Morris fan. Uh, he had the hype. And I and I and I had seen what he had done in SMU, but man, he took the Arkansas program and just flushed it down the toilet. Uh, was very happy to see them get Sam Pittman. I think the bigger hire for other than Sam Pittman was his two coordinators. When you look at him bringing in Kendall Browse for that offense, and then you go, I, why Missouri really? I mean, Missouri gave them a gift, letting Barry Odom go. He picks up Barry Odom. And, I mean, I don't know if you followed this Arkansas program very uh, strongly or not, but they went from John Chavis, who is what some people, Tennessee fans, think he's God's gift to a defensive coordinator. Uh, he sucked. They might, bring he him, was, hey, they might bring him back soon. Who? John Chavis. Who? Arkansas or Tennessee? No, Tennessee. I was getting ready to say, he ain't coming to Arkansas. They'll, they'll burn his house down. Then he comes back. Um, John, give me the hogs. Give me the hogs today. 
I'm riding this train. Bad Barry Odom's got these boys flying to the football on defense. Bumper Pool's finally back. He was out with injury. But when you look at this offense, man, Felipe Franks, I think, has been an unsung hero in the SEC for this Arkansas program. And he can come back next year because of the crazy COVID. <clears throat> all these players can come back. So if you're Felipe and you're Arkansas, and of course I know with the recruiting, it throws everything off as, you know, we were talking about at the beginning of the show today, but give me Arkansas to not only cover, give me Arkansas to win. Give me, give me the dogs. Give me the hogs. They're going to slobber and they're going to walk into Texas A&M, Kyle Field and knock off Texas A&M for the first time since I believe 1939. Now, of course, that would, not, yeah, not with the hundred thousand fans on your no. Yeah, I'm not quite that brave. I think the Hogs can cover. Um, as I like what Coach Pittman's done. Uh, like I said they look like a completely different team than what they were last year. And considering the lack of preparation you get as a new head coach coming in with the COVID era of losing your spring practices, a lot of what you were doing in summer. This, this is one of the most impressive jobs of just a complete 180 that Arkansas has done from this past year to the year we're in now. Um, and I think Arkansas fans have a reason to be excited about the direction yeah. of the program. Um, I think they cover. I think it's a close game today. I think it's within 14 points. Uh, I think it comes down to one score. Uh, but I think Texas A&M right now is just, you know, too much talent where maybe Arkansas just hasn't gotten to that point yet. They're capable of winning the game. I just don't think they do today. Uh, and also shout out to Coach Dickey. He's another one I think is one of the good guys in, uh, in college football. And, uh, you know, he's, he's one that uh, is easy to root for. As a, uh, as a house divided, I can officially say I'm very excited for that Arkansas-Memphis uh, football matchups to get started back. Um, I think as Memphis fans and as Arkansas fans, uh, both, I know for a fact, both fan bases are excited. Uh, of course, me being here, everyone here is an Arkansas fan. Um, there's no other team in this state but Arkansas, really. I mean, there is, but not really. Um, they're excited about getting to play Memphis again. They agree with me that this should be an every-year deal. Uh, I think, in my opinion, Memphis should play Arkansas in basketball and football every season, no questions asked. Just my opinion. I like it. I, I, I remember those days when yeah. my dad coached to Memphis in the 90s of, you know, playing Arkansas and Mississippi State and, you know, yeah. and just the excitement around those games. And it's, you know, an easy travel game for both fan bases. And um, th those are some games I remember as a kid going to and watching and, uh, you know, even back in the Arkansas, the Scotty Thurman days and Corliss Williamson on the basketball court, um, you know, those were always games. All those guys, yeah. Yeah, you look forward to. And uh, it, it's nice to see it coming back. And uh, hopefully we, we can have some more regional matchups like this that get both fan bases uh, juiced up for the games. Well, and uh, also, Blake, I think in the, um, I guess we would call it the COVID age, I think you're going to be looking, I think, I think you're going to find a lot more teams are going to find those geographical matchups that are kind of close, you know, like an Arkansas and Arkansas State 
uh, things like that, just so you don't have to travel as far. Do you, would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I think when you cut down on the travel, uh, also you look regionally different uh, requirements that different states have. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have a team that's scheduled that maybe their uh, policies are a little more stringent uh, and maybe it's more of a chance for a game cancellation. Um, you know, you look at what the Big Ten's going through with Wisconsin right now and the 21 days and, you know, as opposed to what the SEC's doing. Uh, so if I'm a coach scheduling a game, I would probably lean more towards an SEC opponent because I know there's a higher chance that we're going to play that game in the future once we get back into some non-conference uh, games, uh, maybe going into next year if we're still dealing with, you know, the, this virus and all that. But uh, it, it's, uh, like I said, I think you're looking, like you said, regionally and uh, maybe some teams that would be in similar uh, situations. Up next, we've got game days there. I'm watching game day in the background. Big, 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 big game tonight in Happy Valley. Number three, Ohio State Buckeyes heading to Penn State to take on those daggum Nittany Lions. Uh, Give me Ohio State in this game, man. I think Ohio State is one of the best teams in the country. I'm not going to go as far as to say they are the best team in the country, but uh, if you look at what Ryan Day's done uh, coming in after Urban Meyer, and the guys just walked in and kept that thing rolling just as hot as it was when Urban was there. Um, um, I, give me Ohio State. They're a ten-and-a-half-point favorite. They'll cover that. Two words, Justin Fields. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going with Ohio State. Uh, I went to high school up in Ohio. Uh, maybe not really like the Buckeyes because that's all I got to hear about. Uh, but uh, what they've built up there, I think it's similar. You know, when you had Alabama's run of dominance, people wondered, you know, is there a team outside the SEC that can compete with them? And then, you know, you got to see Clemson kind of build that talent pool. Mm-hmm. And I think you're starting to see some teams outside of the SEC, like a Clemson and Ohio State, that, are, that have the talent, have the speed to come down and compete with your Alabamas, uh, your LSUs of last year even. Um, and I think Ohio State's one of those teams, and I think they are the most talented team in the Big Ten. And uh, I think they they uh, get it done at Penn State today by over ten points. Uh, John, uh, an AAC, yeah, we got a. What's up? Oh, that's what I was getting ready to say. Uh, I'm taking SMU. I guess everybody is. Yeah, I'm taking the SMU. Too many, too much offense. Yeah, SMU roll with it. <laughs> Uh, Virginia Tech or Virginia, North Carolina. Uh, give me uh, the fighting Mac Browns. Uh, yeah, same here. Yeah, Mac Brown, another one of the good guys, easy to root for. Uh, this one might be a not so fast, my friend. Oklahoma traveling to Texas Tech. We know there's no defense in the Big 12 this year. Uh, can Texas Tech pull the upset, John? Oklahoma's 16 point favorite. Definitely not, no. But Oklahoma will definitely win and cover. I'm going to take Texas Tech in this game. I think they win. Oh, just to cover? No, give me give me, um, give me, me the W. It's not my lock of the week, but give me the W. Wow. I'm going with Oklahoma, uh, but I think it's a shootout. Uh, yep. Like I said, I think there's zero defense. Um and when you have zero defense, 
a turnover here and there can be huge. Um, so I'm going with Oklahoma, but wouldn't be shocked if this is just a shootout that Texas Tech finds a way to be competitive in. Yeah, the over-under in this game's got got to be about 200. Um, it is actually <laughs> at – no, okay, go ahead. It's got to be is at that, least 8, 7. Hey, it's, it's only 68. I'm shocked by that. I'm shocked by that. Uh, up next, we've got uh, who guy who I mentioned earlier in Billy Napier. Um, heading down to Texas State, another team that I've seen more this year than ever. Um, give me Louisiana to knock off Texas State tonight. Same here, and to cover by 16. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Going on, go on Louisiana. I think we're all on board with that one, uh, and Billy Napier and what he's doing down there. All right, guys, got three games to cover, and then we got the big game of the day. Um, up next, we got San Diego State heading to Utah State for a late night uh, 8.30 game on CBS Sports. Uh, give me the Aztecs. I'll take San Diego State in that one. Same here. I think I'm going with San Diego State. Obviously, Utah State didn't have a great showing against Boise. Uh, so, we'll roll with, with the Aztecs. All right. Uh, up next, we've got uh, a very surprising matchup. BYU taking on Western Kentucky. Uh, there must have been a game canceled or something. Uh, <laughs> BYU is a 30-and-a-half point favorite. Key. Give me BYU. Yeah, give me BYU. Yeah, give me BYU just because they do a fake putt like last week with like what is it four minutes to go to game or whatever. But yeah, BYU. However, I was watching that. Uh, that was not a called fake punt. That was the uh, punter seeing something, and they probably have a check to where hey, it's a rollout punt. If they have a return on and everyone bails, take off, get the first down. Not when you're up by forty points. I mean, that's what I was getting ready to say. Wasn't they up by, like, 30 when they did this? Yeah. Uh, that, that was definitely uh, – I don't think the coach is very happy with his punter at that point. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, uh, we'll go with BYU to cover. Just because it gets the punter. It, did you know if it's close, the punter is going to take it? Yeah, that's true. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Who knew a punter was more athletic than a running back? Uh up next, got Nevada heading to UNLV to take on the uh, uh, running Rebels of UNLV. I can never remember that mascot. Um, on the running Rebel. The what? The running Rebel, I think it is. Yeah, that is. They are the running Rebels. Uh, give me Nevada. Give me Nevada to beat them tonight on Fox Sports 1. Nevada's a 13-and-a-half point favorite. Uh, win, cover, Nevada. Same here. Yeah, going with the Nevada. I think that's the uh, consensus on that one. John, real quick, did you see where Minnesota lost to Maryland last night in overtime? Yeah, on a missed extra point, yeah. Did they really? Wow. If I had just picked Maryland this week hey. instead of last week, it would been a lot better. Two, oh, hey, two his brother actually played pretty decent last Yeah, last I mean, the, when I turned it on for a minute there last night, he looked like he was playing pretty good. And East Carolina was up big on Tulsa, and Tulsa came back and won. Um, yeah, because the referees. Yeah. Uh, of course, we had a big cancellation this week, and that was Wisconsin and Nebraska. Um, also, Nebraska, if I'm, if I'm correct, they were trying to go play UT chat, and the Big Ten told them, no, that ain't happening. Yeah, because of a conference only, right? 
yeah, it's Big Ten, I guess, just trying to control things and, you know, uh, Nebraska, thanks Scott Frost from the get-go, has been a proponent of let's play football games even when yeah. the Big Ten will shut down. And, uh, yeah, I, he wants to play and uh, I think he's frustrated and obviously with the Big Ten uh, – talk about their protocols of going above and beyond what anyone else is doing. It's going to make it difficult, especially with no bye week scheduled um, for them to get their whole season in. I mean, I'm, what I'm disappointed in the most is that, especially when it's a bye game kind of for UT chat and they were getting paid like 750000 for their football program. That's what I'm upset about the most because UT Chattanooga could use that money. That's what I'm disappointed in the yeah. most. yeah. We're going to talk about the big game of the week. Let's go. Big game of the week, guys. Memphis heading up to Nippert Stadium to take on the Cincinnati Bearcats. I don't know what a Bearcat is, Memphis fans. Nobody knows. It's a bear and a cat, and it's ugly. And I don't – I mean, that's one of my favorite stadiums to go to is Nippert Stadium. Big, big, big game tonight. Of course, Memphis currently at 3-1. Uh, we lost, as we know, to SMU. After about after roughly a month rough. off, uh, after that, Memphis has been on a roll, knocking off Central <sighs> Florida, knocking off Temple. Uh, now we come into Cincinnati, number seven in the country. Uh, Memphis gets the win today. It will be the first time that we have beat a top ten team since, of course, beating UT in 1996. Um, John, I think this is going to be a hell of a football game today. Of course, we will also have a halftime show uh, for the fans as well during halftime. Give our breakdown of the first half and keys to victory or keys to the win in the second half. Uh, Going to be a good game. I'm very impressed with Cincinnati's defense. Not taking anything away from those guys at all. Uh, but that offensive firepower last week is what really kind of surprised me with Cincinnati. This quarterback – uh, as we know, is a little bit of a dual threat guy. Uh, I think if you're Memphis's defense, <clears throat> uh, you got to make sure you keep him in the pocket. Uh, also, uh, T.J. Carter is out today as well for the Tigers. Um, Cincinnati is only a seven-point game. Uh, my boy Bear on game day picked the Tigers. So if Bear picks the Tigers, the hot dogs got to take the Tigers in the game today. Lock of the week. Memphis by 21 points against Cincinnati. The key, in my opinion, is the secondary as well. You know, they can't give up. I mean, their Cincinnati's quarterback is more of a not a good thrower type quarterback. You got to throw him out of the pocket a little bit and make him throw the football down the field against you. I'm hoping, you know, Brian Goodson – um, just net Dorcius, just to name a few players on defense. Even John, to me, it's going to be the key player on defense is going to be John Broussard. And uh, you know, you're starting Owens this game as well. I believe the former walk-on that played at Innsworth High School, who had a good game last week. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I mean, we stopped the run pretty well on defense. To me, is going to be the the key of the game is where your secondary is going to step up and get some more turnovers. You know, for that as well. I'm not worried about our offense point of view. Kind, I mean, Cincinnati's played some not so great teams, but in Cincinnati, you know, the number top ten in the team for the nation, for a reason. My heart wants to pick Memphis, 
to win the game. But I think Memphis will cover, but I think Cincinnati will pull the win because our defense is just too questionable at times as well still. You just picked Memphis to lose against Cincinnati, John? Man, I was – yeah. But still, you know, it's just that – our defense right now, it's our, it's, our, it's our defense, man. It really is. <laughs> it's uh, – I'm going to pick Memphis to win. But, uh, I mean, Jonathan, he's got valid points with the defense. Yeah, he does. He does. And, uh, you know, that's something that just watching the games, you know, I'm watching a stat and it was talking about LSU's defense and it was like the only one worse was Memphis. Uh, and it's you – know, that's not, not a stat you like to see in flashing across ESPN in the middle of the game. Um <laughs> And we've got to have better play in our secondary. Um, and some, something that can help that is if we can really generate a pass rush. Because um, a lot of times, if if you can get a pass rush that can cover a, a lot of sin, so to speak, on the back end, um, if the quarterback doesn't have time to throw. Uh, so, you know, maybe we're dialing up more pressure this week. Uh, you know, something to, to help the secondary out. Because I think if we just try to sit back and, and play coverage. Uh, I think we're we're going to get beat. Um, but uh, Cincinnati is a a team. Coach Fickle has obviously come in, done a good job. You know, you know, getting that program back, and uh, it's uh, you know should be a good game. It's been a good rivalry. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, we 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 had uh, some fun with uh, Cincinnati last year, uh, but. Uh, I said, look for Memphis to get the win today, uh, but uh, we're going to we're going to have to make some plays in the secondary and uh, uh, contain their dual threat quarterback and put some pressure on him in order for that to happen. I think I, I, I mean think defense is key today. Um, I, as far as offense is concerned for Memphis, uh, I think with the running back tandem that we have uh, of Rodriguez, Clark, uh, Weaver, Asia Martin. Um, who's the other guy I'm missing, John? I'm missing a guy. Um, uh, crap. What is his name? Clark. Okay, I'm going to say Clark Weaver. Kylan Watkins. Kylan Watkins. Yeah, Watkins. That's it. Kylan Watkins. Uh, I think with those guys, as well as we've been using Todd Washington with the little shovel pass, which I love that play. It's one of my favorite plays we run. Um, I think if you look at Memphis, if we can run the ball effectively and kind of eat some clock a little bit, and let Brady be Brady, I think we'll be okay offensively. Defensively, as you alluded to, Coach Butler, um, we're a little undersized. Just to be honest about it, we're a little undersized on the defensive line front. Uh, you look at OB Goodson, uh, those other guys up front, they're not your prototypical size of a defensive lineman. But like you said, I think if we can get some pressure on Ritter today, that, or in like eight minutes when the game starts, we can get some pressure on this guy. Hit him. Smack him after the play. Hit him after the play. Make him think, oh, okay, these guys are going to put my you-know-what in the dirt. Um, let's, let's, let's get some pressure on this guy. Let's hit him. Let's, let's make him feel some pain this morning. Everybody's talking about Cincinnati's running game. They've got a good running game. As John alluded to, we have stopped the run pretty well this year. Um, it's the secondary, as we talked about. It's uh, the guys, the, the, the safeties, all that. Let me ask you this, Blake. As obviously your dad being a former defensive coordinator for the Tigers, um, 
give me your opinion of the job that Mike McIntyre has done this year. And also give me your opinion on the Memphis fans that are calling for the guy's head after, what, four games? Yeah, you got to think when you go back and look at, you know, guys who opted out in the preparation coming into the season, being a new coach coming in this season is probably more difficult than it's ever been, especially, um, you know, not knowing a whole lot about his system and what he runs. Um, if it's complex in terms of a lot of checks and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be some confusion. There's going to be uh, some guys that are misaligned. Uh, anytime you install any defense, uh, you always talk about this, uh, AAE, alignment, assignment, execution. Uh, if guys, you know, especially during the season, maybe their alignment's off. You know, if you're not on your landmark, if you're off the hash and you're supposed to be on the hash, uh, that that one step can be the difference in a big play and an interception. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. You know, the assignment of if there's a bunch of checks and things like that, that can create confusion if the players haven't repped it over and over again through spring ball, summer, all that. Um you know, that that can lead to some things. Uh, and then just the execution side of it, of uh, you've got to be able to learn your, your players' talents and their abilities and what they can be successful at. And when you remove spring ball, you remove a lot in the summer. You've lost practice time in season with quarantine. Uh, being a new coach, you may not fully know their capabilities yet because you just haven't had as much time on the practice field as you normally would. Um, so I, I, I think he deserves some patience right now. Um, but, but at the same time, the biggest thing you'd want to see as a fan is improvement from week to week of not making the same mistakes and getting some things figured out of, all right, we, we can't put this guy in this position because he's limited. And, you know, with the guys out, with T.J. Carter out, like I said, you know, uh, Tim Hart opting out yeah. um, and, and things like that. Broussard was out at the beginning of the year with the injury. And, uh, yeah, it's, we've had – who is the young guy, John? Uh, I believe he wears number 31. He's a safety. Last name's Owens? Well, he's 30. But, yeah, he's a walk-on. 30, he played yes. at Innsworth High School. Okay. He slipped up big last week against Temple with two interceptions. You know, I'm telling you, man, that guy, I think if we can really keep his momentum going, he's, he's going to turn out to be a little stud for our defense. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, uh, go ahead. Sorry, uh, you know, talking about knowing your personnel. You know, if we had gone through spring ball, he may have emerged during spring exactly. ball, yeah. to where now it took a couple games and they got to see him on the field, and it's okay. Now this guy's making plays for us. We need to get him more time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a little bit of that I think going on as well when you're trying to figure out personnel and who can do what and. Uh, you know, hopefully we see improvement this week and it gives us a better chance to win the game. You know, I just want to, as we're wrapping the show up, like from a Memphis fan base, you know, talking about alumni and everything they've done for the city of Memphis in general as well. But, you know, back in 03, talk a little bit about this real quick. We finished 9-4 and four in the regular season, defeated Daryl Dickey, North Texas, in the New Orleans Bowl, which is, I didn't get to go to that, but Wes did probably, but, uh, I didn't that was one of the best exams, years. So my parents would yeah, be. I did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, high school days. Yep. But, yeah, Blake, so thank, I want to thank you for that, for basically going back to a bowl game in 03 
Then in 04, we played in the rainstorm in Mobile against Bowling Green. Not that game. And then, um, God. yeah, while, while it snowed here, but matter of fact, but uh, in 05, you know, one of the best games that I went to, on a matter of fact, I flew in the same or the same day of the football game where you faced your brother in Akron. I don't yeah. know if you remember that once or not. Yeah. But uh, we yes, played I Akron. Yes, where, where we played Akron and uh, Motor City Bowl. We won that game as well, where D'Angelo Williams ended up breaking the NCAA record for all-purpose yards in that game. But uh, from a fan base and a fan like myself, thank you for those three years as a player and as an alum as the city of Memphis as well. And real quick, who is the one Tiger that you played with other than D'Angelo Williams that you would go on an amazing race with? Oh, amazing race, man. <laughs> yeah, it's great. There, there, there's a couple, I mean, you could think of them. One that uh, Tiger fans, may, you know, we always go back to the O-line room. You know, that's a tight-knit group. Uh, one of my former roommates, uh, Bobby Garofalo, he was from uh, Los yeah. Angeles. Uh, if anyone knows Bobby, he was an incredible musician. Um, and he's, he's one of the funniest guys you'll ever meet. Uh, you know, when bad stuff would happen, he would always just find a way to still kind of like look for the best or the humor in the situation. Um, you know, he'd probably be one, uh, trying to think, looking for the leader. Like, obviously, you know, Wim Prime, you know, leader, competitor, um, you know, one, one of the greatest Tigers to ever come through, uh, just, you know, for what he did with the program and just, his fierceness and his competitiveness. Uh, he's one of those quarterbacks that definitely had the respect of his offensive line and his teammates and uh, just for who he was. Uh, so those would probably be a couple candidates, you know, Danny for his competitiveness. And then uh, Bobby, if you, if you, if you want to have a good time and when bad stuff happens, uh, still be able to laugh about it. Uh, he'd be a good one to take along. <laughs> yeah. Maurice Avery as well in my book, but uh <laughs> But uh, who's the one team that you wish that y'all played non-conference schedule that you could have played in non-conference schedule back in your day? You know, you always heard things tossed around. Like uh, uh, I'd heard at one point, like Notre Dame, like they're but they're saying like we'd have to like go there three times, you know, to get one home game. I mean, as a player, that'd be cool. I mean, that's something that as you grow up as a kid, you hear about, you know, you know playing at Notre Dame and things like that, just from a historical standpoint, uh, that had been pretty cool. Um, you know, got a chance to play, you know, Tennessee at Newland, uh, you know, play Ole Miss, play Mississippi State. Um, you know, I, I, I would like to have had a shot at maybe, uh, whether it's going against a Big Ten school or an ind big independent, like uh, a, a Notre Dame was one that I'd heard floated around that, uh, you know, would have liked to have seen come come out and uh, get a chance to play there. But, uh, you know, I think the local games, gosh, I wish we could play Tennessee again, but they're never going to go for it. Um, they're scared. I mean, I, I remember them buying out a game uh, with us when I was a player. I believe it was the 04 season we were supposed to play them. Yeah, we had to play them in 05 yeah. instead or something and then, like that. But, but Tennessee, uh, if I remember correctly, didn't they pick up like a like a Helen Keller University or Ray Charles University? Like it was a terrible team. 
Yeah, it or was East Tennessee State. We were coming like off the 2003 season, we'd beaten you know Eli Manning and mm-hmm. Ole Miss, and we'd gone to the New Orleans Bowl. We're pretty much returning everybody. You know, you got Wimpron coming back, you got D'Angelo coming back. You got, our entire offensive line at that point were underclassmen, um, and I think Tennessee looked at it and said, uh, "I don't know about oh, this. We don't want to do it." Yep. You know, R.C. Johnson uh, took the check and. Uh, we were uh, not playing Tennessee that year. Uh, that that's one game I wish we could have played is 04, played UT. I believe they were actually scheduled to come to Memphis that year. Mm-hmm. They were. They were. Yeah. If you can imagine in that 2004 team getting to play Tennessee in Memphis, uh, that that would that would have been a, that awesome. would have rivaled the game day from last year. I think that that would have been incredible as a player, as a fan. That would have been one of the probably, you know, top games in program history, especially when you look at there's a very real possibility that uh, we take it to them. Yeah, especially when we had to play them in 05 without being to <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we had that. And, gosh, but, I mean, hey, Joseph Doss stepped up big for us. So, I can't, that, you know. That, that game, Joseph Doss got the respect of all his teammates. I remember just, you know, Joseph yeah. wasn't, you know, wasn't a big guy, especially at that point in his career. Um and he took some shots and just bounced right back up and just, you know, Joe, he's another one that, uh, you know, a lot of guys respected, not just for, you know, his talent, but just who he was and uh, just his toughness uh, and, and being the team guy he was. Well, John, we get our wish. Memphis is on defense to start this game. Uh, Cincinnati is no the uh, alternate red jersey, which is very different. Um, and I'm Blake, and they do go for the deep ball to first play. I do like that play call. John, you're ahead of me. <laughs> they ain't even snapped the ball yet on my screen. Hey, wait, hey, wait, wait. If you go back to uh, last week's show when we and Wes talked about the Indiana Oklahoma uh, Penn State game, 58 minute mark, <laughs> he sees the ending before I see it, and he just it was off. Awesome. Oh, Blake. Spoiler. Thank you very much, man. As a as John and I both uh, diehard Memphis Tigers, uh, up until this season, my stepdad had not missed a Memphis home game since 1985. Um, so we are diehard to say the least, and it's very cool uh, to kind of come full circle with it. I mean, I always grew up hearing your dad's name uh, and just a, as a Tiger, great. And then, uh, you know, of course, to get him as on the coaching staff and all that, then now to have you on the show – uh, being a former Tiger and then also uh, getting to pick your brain a little bit with uh, college football, with high school football, everything that's going on. Uh, man, thank you very much uh, from the bottom of our hearts as diehard Memphis fans for being on the show with us today. And we really hope we can get you back on later in the season as well. Definitely, guys. I appreciate what y'all do. Appreciate, you know, being longtime supporters of the program. You know, it, it, it's not as special when you if you don't have guys like yourselves and your families that, have been through, been with the program thick and thin. I know y'all probably sat in empty stadiums before. Yeah. A lot of, a lot, a lot of people had given up, and uh, it was uh, it was a rainy night in uh, 1998. Uh, I believe we played East Carolina on homecoming, or maybe it was Tulane. One of the two. It was a homecoming game, raining its butt off. We got drummed, beat bad. And I will never forget that game because I literally – I swear I could have yelled across the stadium and, like, talked to the coach. There was nobody there. 
yeah, it's uh, like I said, there's been you know it makes the the most current time that we've had you know be you know so so much more I guess edifying and grateful for it because like I said, guys like yourself, you you've set through things like that to then now you go to the Cotton Bowl last year and just see the program winning and the expect to have the expectation to compete for yeah. conference titles year in and year out. It's it's awesome to see the program being invested in the way it, it has been and w- where it's going. And uh, like I said, it's a good time to be a Tiger fan and uh, pr- I'm a proud alum and, uh, you know, excited for what it's going. You know, as an alum, you always – you like what we were able to accomplish while I was there, but you always want to see the next generation take it, run with it, and make it better. Right. And that's what right. we've been able to see these past few years of, you know, take what we were able to do, build on it, and – make it even better than what it was and uh you know proud of the guys that have had a hand in that and want to keep seeing it go to new heights and like i said we're we're just kind of a hey, part of the history and we're doing things that have never been accomplished before and outdo everything that has ever been done with past teams and uh like i said thank y'all for what y'all do thank y'all for standing with the program and uh enjoyed talking with y'all this morning and uh, go tigers no time. Hey, Blake, I get there. Blake, I get there. One more question for you. All right. Tomorrow, twelve o'clock our time, I believe it is. Your dad and them go to Baltimore. It's gonna be a fun game to watch on TV. But uh, have you been to that rivalry? Can you talk about that rivalry game in general as a fan and uh, as your dad watching it? You know, being a head co- or a defense coordinator. And yeah. I also, I also want to say this real quick. Not, not to cut you off. I, I find it very. I just find it, excuse my language, but I find it badass that the Pittsburgh Steelers have Mike Tomlin, a former Tiger assistant, Randy Finkner, a former Tiger assistant, and Blake, uh, but, or I'm sorry, not Blake Butler, Keith <laughs> Butler, a former Tiger assistant, all on the same staff. I've always found that to be just awesome. Yeah, I think it just goes back to, you know, the bond. Memphis is a special place and the bond they have and getting to work together later in life and uh, have success up there with Pittsburgh and, uh, you know, excited for this game. Obviously, Steelers-Ravens has been a rivalry for, you know, past several years, and I'm just – I'm excited uh, to see this game. I've been there for playoff games with Steelers and Ravens uh, with Troy Palomalo's picking off passes and running through the defense and yeah. uh, running through the offense. And, um, like I said, those have been some great games. And now that both of them have kind of risen back up to, you know, be top teams in the AFC – uh, that rivalry game still has that that bite to it uh, that uh, it did a few years back, and uh, like I said, obviously, hope the Steelers still remain undefeated. Uh, but y'all beat uh, my Titans, but it's okay. Keep going. That's all right. Hey, the, the, the Titans, Titans made it interesting. Uh, yeah, they but, did. Uh, no, I obviously want to see the Steelers win, but uh, again, you know, the Ravens are going back to the run attack and uh, explosive offense, but. Uh, It'll be an interesting game. I think the Steelers' uh, run defense is much improved this year. And, um, you know, having Roethlisberger back uh, and a young group of receivers, I think they've got the talent to be a balanced offense and put up some points. So, uh, I'm going to go Steelers by three uh, tomorrow against the Ravens. I'm sure your dad will uh, approve of that. Uh, and, and I know he probably hopes it's three nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, he, he, he wants that final score to be 3 nothing, exactly. But, uh, man, like, once again, thank you for very, very much for being on the show. 
Uh, Tiger game is currently going on now. Uh, guys, from John, from I, from Coach Butler, a happy Halloween, and we hope all your teams are wieners today. Thank you for watching. Go Tigers. All right, guys, we are now off live. Um, but thank you again, Blake, man. Uh, it was awesome to be on the show. Had a great time. Uh, let's, uh, let's go watch this Tiger game. Go Tigers.